Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Arkansas State and their head coach Butch Jones in town today for the Little Rock Touchdown Club. Good to see you, Coach, and it's probably nice to be here with us and catch a breather nine straight weeks. I mean, it has been uh, that's a rough run for any any school, and certainly you guys have had some injuries piled on top of that. It's been a you know a lot of challenges. On top of the normal challenges you face as a head coach. Well, and it's definitely been a challenge. Uh, but to be here today at the Little Rock, Little Rock Touchdown Club and to be with you guys is kind of therapeutic. And uh, this bye week uh, probably is about four or five weeks. Uh, probably we needed it uh, back in time. But uh, it's going to serve so many purposes. Uh, you know, I think the other thing that's lost in it is the recruiting element of a bye week. So we'll be able to get most of our staff out throughout the course of the country starting on Wednesday. But first and foremost, we got to get our health back. Uh, 70% of our team right now is comprised of first and second year players. And, uh, you know, we've had 42 different starting starters over the course of a season. And when you look at nine consecutive weeks, and that's kind of my push in all of college football right now is we've done so much good in terms of taking care of the student athletes their welfare and benefit of of benefiting them and making sure they're taken care of but uh, one thing that I don't think is looked at you look at we go into training camp you have so many practices where you can have contact you have so many padded practices you have so many helmet practices but nobody has really dove into probably the most important piece and that's where the bye weeks occur and when you're a young football team and you play nine consecutive weeks, obviously you're deaf, but also, you know, it's it's the students as student athletes, the exams, the midterms, all that that goes into it, it's a cumulative effect. And then for us, when we play a road game at Arkansas State and we fly, we fly out of Memphis. So there's times we're not getting back to three, four o'clock in the morning. So all that has you know, has kind of an accumulative effect. But our kids have done a really good job. Nobody's blinked. And we just have to continue to work through the process. I know it's the tip of the iceberg. But let's start with your quarterback and, and James Blackman. You had to play without him a couple weeks ago. He comes back. I'm assuming not quite 100 percent yet uh, against South Alabama this last weekend. H- how difficult has it been with a key cog like that? Because if we saw earlier in the year, when he's healthy, he's a very effective quarterback. Well, we feel he's one. He's one of the best quarterbacks in our conference. And the play of a quarterback is a byproduct of everyone around him. And unfortunately, we've had three starters out up front uh it's been a revolving door with injuries at the receiver position so we've had no consistency and continuity for him but uh, having him back was big he's he was probably about 75 percent going into south alabama game but with a week off now with a bye week and then another week of preparation for umass we anticipate getting him back to full strength but i think he's had a very very good year um he is the leader of the football team he's been very boisterous he's been very outspoken he's held his teammates accountable and he's kind of set the standard in terms of preparation and how you practice day in and day out how many guys have you had start every game boy it's not been very many i want to say just off the top of my head it's probably been about four or five and you know you're going into the south alabama game and you're playing one of the premier programs in our conference right now and we're down two starting offensive linemen. We're down three starting cor- or three of our starting corners because we play a uh, a nickel nickel safety that's really kind of a, another corner. And then you know we we've been our kids have been remarkable. Then when you look at the story of McKeelan Thomas and you know we've kind of had to keep it quiet to protect him, but he's played most of the season with a broken foot. And so now, you know, you look at him and what he's been able to do, and I know he's from Little Rock, and he means everything to us, but we had to call around the country, 
and we had a different shoe companies give us it's the, he basically has been playing in a boot that's been made to fit to look like a sneaker and so uh you know we anticipate now with the bye week getting him even healthier but those are some of the great stories that you know as a coach you can't tell because obviously you don't want to give anything to your opponents but those are just great illustrations of players that have been battling through everything <laughs> now, he's your left tackle, right? He's our left tackle, and then we moved him to play right guard because of uh, you know a personnel move uh, and kind of matching him up on their best football player this past Saturday. And he's in a <laughs> basically out there with one leg, one foot. Yes, and I tell you what, he hasn't blinked. And wow. you know we lose Jordan Rhodes, uh, who arguably is our best offensive lineman, kind of the. Tr- the setter in terms of toughness or transfer from Ole Miss and he's ruled out last Tuesday he's at the hospital with a blood clot in his calf so there's so much that goes on but what these individuals have done is still the mental reps every day showing up to work and you know it's it's hard going through it right now but we are in the infant stages of building a program and if you really look at you know I always step back and you have to take the emotion aside and say okay where are we going are we better than we were last year and all that? And a lot of coaches you hear say, well, you, some programs, year one is year zero, year two is year one. And, and I, I don't think it could ever be more evidence than here. Last year at this time, we had 46 individuals in what we call our G League, our growth league, where we're growing them in terms of 630 workouts they're not playing. Well, most of them were walk-ons that we recruited when we got here. But out of those 46 that were in that G League, 43 are no longer part of the program. So when you look at it is we weren't growing in, in developing anyone in our program, and that's just kind of where we're at. This year we're back to 46 individuals, and most of those are scholarship players, you know, and they're individuals that are usually in the lines of scrimmage, the Sadu Baz, mm-hmm. you know, individuals like that that are continuing to grow and, and need that. So when you really look at the overall direction, this is year one for us. That's kind of the approach. And uh, it's exciting. It's hard. It's, ex- it's excruciating right now what we're going through, but we're going to be better for it down the road. After the bye week, how healthy will you be are you losing yeah. guys for the season or are they going to be back next week? I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be extremely healthy and uh you know when when we hit the ground running in september and early october we were a really good football team and ryan day is a good friend of mine and we talk about our contest at ohio state all the time and we played them as competitive and as good as anybody they've played and uh but then all of a sudden you lose a champ flemings in that game then the next game against memphis you you lose robert holmes our right tackle and the injury started to mount. but robert holmes is an individual that that we lost for the season but we anticipate having everyone back to finish strong for the season that's the goal that's the goal and uh you know it's unusual because most coaches they'll practice three or four times during a, an open week or a bye week and this week we're only going to practice twice. We're going to practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. We're going to lift. We're going to have do some different things in the training room. And I think the most important thing for our program is to grow our young players. Uh, you know, like Alaric Watson's uh, true freshman left tackle that made his first collegiate start against South Alabama this past Saturday. So he needs to continue to grow with, with those reps and elevate his game. But uh, I think the big thing is us just continue to get stronger. But most important to finish strong is we have to get our health back. Sunbelt is outstanding. It's a tough conference to be uh, beat up in and, and try to, to, to rebuild in. Who's impressed you the most in the Sunbelt? Well, I tell you what, that that's a great point because, you know, I kind of give an example of the SEC. And 
when you look at just the competitiveness of conferences, I think the Sun Belt is right up there arguably with anybody in the conference and even in, in the Southeastern Conference. When you look from top to bottom, and I think the reason is, first of all, you look at the commitment by all the institutions towards their football programs. You look at uh, when we expanded in the quality of opponents and teams and programs that we brought into the Sun Belt. And also from, you know, you look at James Madison who comes in, and right now they're number one in overall budget, and it's their first year in the league. So I think, you know, all the commitment to winning, the facilities, you know, I'm still experiencing the different game day environments of, of in the Sun Belt. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of quality opponents. I look at you, the non-conference schedule, and that's the other thing when you're raising a football program is our players understanding it's just like now competing in the SEC. There are no off weeks. You have to bring your A game every single week, and I think that's where you see one team beat another team, then another team beat another team, and you're like, how did that happen? Well, you live in a week-to-week season. Every week is a new season. I think that's never more evident than in the Sun Belt. But, uh, you know, South Alabama, uh, they're comprised of all juniors and seniors. Um, they're very good. I think if you really look at really the formula right now in the Sun Belt, it's a line of scrimmage league. If you look at the old Sun Belt back in the day, what did you do? You outscored people. You went and got a quarterback who could throw the deep ball, and you had a great wide receiver core, and they'd go up high point the ball, and you'd win 48-47. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think when App State came in the league and you look at all the difference where Louisiana and Billy came in and all that, the whole dynamics of the league changed. And it's a line of scrimmage league. And if you look at the teams that are successful, they're usually junior or senior laden in terms of the offensive and defensive line. So I think that's the biggest change is the teams that have the best fronts. Uh, whether it's offense, defense, one or two skill guys that can change the game, those are the programs that are winning consistently at a high level right now. Getting your guys, and it sounds like from talking to you, Coach, that you've got guys that have bought in, that are continuing to work, even with this is you know pretty much ridiculous adversity with the injury situation. What about the PR side of things with the fan base? You know, yep. If there's one thing we know about fans, they're not patient. Yep. What, what do you say to them? Well, I think first of all, it starts with our administration. We're all aligned. and This isn't anything, when I interviewed for the job, I was told by our administration this was a three- to four-year uh, process. This wasn't going to be a quick fix. And we talked about you can try to have a quick fix and you can go the JUCO route. Now, we had to go the portal route just to be able to feel, feel the team. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do it and we're going to raise this program with high school recruiting. So you're going to take, you know, your 17-year-old kids playing 22, 23-year-olds. But our administration knew this was a three- to four-year process. They knew exactly what was going on. But uh, it all starts with them. And then our fans, the people who really, truly know our program, that have really invested in it and the knowledge, they know. They can see the progress from a culture standpoint. It's not showing up on Saturdays quite yet, but it will. Mm -hmm. And then we have a great fan base. And nobody hurts more than myself and our players. We invest every single day. There's been a lot of sleepless nights. I think you all know me. When we lose, I feel like I'm letting everybody down. But, uh, you know, I want our fans to hurt a little bit because it means something to them. So, uh, you know, they want to win, but I think for the most part they've been great, and that's a great fan base. And uh, so we all understand we are building and raising a football program from ground zero, and we're all in it together. 
And I think if you just look, we had the number one class in the Sun Belt last year and uh, number two in, overall in the country in the group of five. And we're on that track right now. We have over 15, 16 commitments in this class. And, uh, you know, when the portal goes in and come the rule changes, I think that's going to aid and benefit as well as we continue to grow and, and trust this process we're going through. I want to ask you about group of five. So we've had, we had Coach Browner early, and obviously the FCS has a certain approach, or a lot of the FCS schools have a certain approach. Power five schools have an approach. I'm curious about, you know, in the group of five, how you guys work, the JUCO, you talked about the portal, and then how the NIL figures into all that. So, you know, Coach Brown and I have talked about this through the year, that, you know, you, the JUCO mix kind of got lost a little bit because everybody's chasing portal guys yep. or continue, and continue to, you know, obviously go after high school kids. For your program and for the, that level of football, for the, for the group of five teams, how do you sort of balance those opportunities to bring players in from the different levels, portal, JUCO, high school, and then also how the NIL figures in on that? Well, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, every program is different. You know, every coach has a different philosophy. We have a philosophy here that we're still a developmental program. We're going to win with high school players. We're going to develop them in our culture, our mindset, our toughness. We want to be able to grow and develop them. But then you're going to supplement your roster. And if there's an individual that can help us, regardless if it's transfer portal or JUCO, we're going to do that. But everything is, do they fit the culture? Do they fit the style of play? Do they fit the mindset with which you want to bring into your program? And it's going to be different now with the new rules and the transfer portal. And I don't know if, if if y'all have talked much about it to your listeners but one of the monumental changes now is if you go into the portal and you take an individual that has more than one year of eligibility left you are responsible for that scholarship no matter if he's kicked off the team for disciplinary reasons whether he gives football up so if i bring you in for example and you say i'm done with football and i have two more years of eligibility even though you're done playing Mm -hmm. you count that 85 so what happened wow. last year is a lot of people were just taking chances sure. and gambles on portal individuals to fill rosters and depth. Well, now there's a little bit more research and development that goes into it because, you know, if you're going to invest multi-years in a player, you better know everything about them. So I think when the portal hits December 5th, you're going to have more emphasis on one-year players. But that, that change could affect college football. Yeah. Well, I can assure you, Coach, if you brought me in, you would quit me. I would not quit you. <laughs> well, so. you know, you get back and you go the, the, the junior college routes, and, and we've really spent a lot of time. We've evaluated all the top junior college prospects in the country. But there are no quick fixes. But if they fit our program, if they fit what we're looking for, we're going to bring them in. But when we talked about our growth league, last year we had 22. When we got the job, we had 22 junior college players on the team and only two had actually played so what happens now is you're not growing and developing a 17 to 18 year old individual that you know you may grow him for two more two years and all of a sudden there you're starting right tackle and everyone's like well how did you get him where did he come from well he's been groomed in our football program for two years so what happens is you're really developing nobody and it constantly becomes a revolving door and that's something that we did not want to do coming in here Let's completely shift gears. It's Halloween. Uh, do you remember your favorite outfit as a kid? Well, the, the two obviously would be a football player. I think that's everyone. And then uh, the second one, my, my father was a chief of police, so it was a police officer. So kind of two boring uh, <laughs> Halloween costumes kind of, but those hey, are always the go-tos. Coach, if you can get candy, it doesn't really matter what you wear. I mean, it's all good. So that that's true. Just... And I, I'm looking at some Reese's yeah, here, some what's your go-to? bars, what's your favorite? some you, paydays. You're not a big candy guy, but anyway. But... i got to go Kit Kat. Okay, I like that. 
Kit Kat's See, I solid. Su- I surprised you with that. I like that. That's, it doesn't get enough mention. I think Kit Kat's underrated. It's very crispy. It's delicious. A little wafer there. Yeah, Wes is a one-trick pony. He's all Reese's peanut butter cups all the time. Uh, okay. It's not a bad bet, nah, though. All it's the good. time. Most of the time. I, I like I like candy candy, like sweet. Like sweet tarts. And candy candy versus yeah. peanut, chocolate candy. Peanut oh. M&Ms aren't too bad either. I had some yesterday. Yeah. I'm sorry. Are you trying to insinuate that, that fruit candy is real candy and chocolate candy is not candy? No, candy candy. I don't know what that means. Like, this is like chocolate bars or chocolate. Yeah, it's candy. Where it's can- well, see, I think of candy being more sugar, like the sweet tarts, the Skittles. That's candy to it's, me. It's all candy, Wes. That's like saying I consider tigers cats, but I don't consider lions cats. They're all cats. Yeah, you're putting a broad brush on everything. Yeah, because it's all candy. Be specific. You're the only person in the world that doesn't consider Reese's peanut butter cups candy. It's chocolate. Chocolate and peanut butter. Chocolate doesn't have to be candy, but candy can be chocolate. When I say I want some candy, my kids know that means like sweet tarts, Skittles, something like that. If I say bears, yes, something like that. Now, if I want Reese's or you know a chocolate bar, I'll tell them that. Are we doing Q and A or are you doing a speech to the club? I'm doing a, about a 10-minute speech and then Q&A. Okay. Watch out for Basil. He'll throw you some curveballs. I'm really looking forward to this. This is kind of like therapy and to get around our fans. And a lot of our administrators are here. And any time you can come to Little Rock, and then I'll be back later in the week in recruiting too. And I think yeah. that's the other thing. We've really made uh, tried to make an impact in our state in terms of recruiting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're excited with the individuals that, that we have uh, that are on our radar and on our list uh, because they're very, very good football players. I know you can't give me specifics on players you're after or looking at, but how would you evaluate the talent in the state right now? I think for us, uh, this is one of the best years uh, that we've had. And, you know, for us, all the individuals that are committed to us, we've already had on campus. We've actually had them in our camps. So they've been able to work with us. We've been able to work with them. We've been able to evaluate them. So the relationships have grown over time and I think having a year now under our belt of really recruiting the state uh, making great inroads and I think they all know we're committed to winning first with Arkansas kids and then venturing out and I think that's one of the things is you know our location makes it a challenge at times from a recruiting standpoint so we have to be able to go uh, into a lot of areas but make no mistake about it we're going to start with home first. Coach can't say it, but I'll say uh, I think our fearless Friday player of the week is going to be a young man from Stuttgart, Cedric Hawkins, that A-State fans are going to be excited about for a long time. He is a fun one to watch. Give me a name on your team now that I need to know, that be excited about. You talked about some of these young guys coming up. Yeah. Give me one. Well, the first name that comes to my mind, uh, we talked about him briefly, is our left tackle, Alaric Watson, true freshman out of Nashville. And uh, came in, he was about 275 pounds, in a short period of a few months, we have him over 300. He started last week, and I think he's got a chance. He kind of falls into the Eric Fisher, Joe Staley modes wow. that we had at Central Michigan. Very tough, uh, loves football. So I think that's an individual that uh, we're really, really excited. You know, when you come in, you look at what we call foundational pieces, foundational players that you can build upon. Um, you know, he's one of those individuals that brings a level of toughness. We're really, really excited, and I think the opportunity now for him to have live game repetitions against good quality opponents is going to help him grow and develop. This was his first game? This is his first game. So game three more and 
Let him red shirt. That's right. That's so it, it works out perfect. Yeah. Is he falls within the four game category of being able to red shirt. Same thing we did with McKeelan Thomas last year. And I think if you spoke with McKeelan, he would tell you the best thing that aided him from year one to year two is being able to get and actually play in games. You know, another individual we talk about is our quarterback, Jackson Daly. He's hovering on that uh, red shirt year as well. But from a leadership standpoint, from a growth and development standpoint, we've been really excited about him. Miller McCrumbie's a tight end who brings a mentality to us. Um, like I said, I've been really excited and pleased with our entire freshman class. I think the other thing that has really aided our football program, and it starts with in-state, has been our on, as our walk-on program. Uh, we'll probably have three or four players that walked on from the state of Arkansas that have earned scholarships this year. That's cool. Awesome. Coach, we've got to let you go. Appreciate the time, and we'll look forward to hearing your speech in there. And, uh, again, good luck with David. You guys are the best. Thank (laughs) you. Appreciate it. It's Butch Jones from Arkansas State. We'll hear more from him coming up in our final hour.